the country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories to great stories that get told. Spend some time in the country, now it's time we start the show. joins me on the show now to talk about her new album called Sweetheart of the Valley, which features 12 great songs, and I can't wait to speak to her about it. Welcome to the show, Lori. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you here, and uh, so excited for this interview. We had the chance just a couple of days ago to meet in person. I attended the Bluebird North, hosted by Blair Packham, great songwriting round at uh, the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto, and you were one of the guests performing your songs. Uh, yeah, I sure was. I I, uh, I had never performed at the Royal Conservatory of Music before. It was a bit daunting. It's uh, it's a very kind of you know hoity-toity room, but it was a bl- It was a blast. <laughs> it was a great gig. Yeah, it was fun. It was so so much fun to hear the stories behind the songs. And Blair Packham hosted it. Great uh, host of the radio show in the studio. And uh, Selena Martin was there. And Rick mm-hmm. Emmett who, of course, of the legendary rock group Triumph, and uh, it was so cool to, to hear his song. Wasn't it? Yeah, he's and, you know, he's such a gentleman, like such a class act, so friendly, down-to-earth, very encouraging, and, yeah, great great songs, right? And it, it's interesting yeah. to see an artist like that who, you know, he was a rocker, right? Um, That's right. You know, and stay in the business and be able to, to uh, reach and grow and change and, you know. Still stay, stay current. Very, very neat to watch and see. Absolutely, and the fact that he teaches songwriting, so he's passing on that lesson, uh, those yeah. lessons of songwriting. And uh, he did, you know, a cool style. He's a rocker, and he closed the show with a huge triumph song. But the rest of the night were songs he did that were kind of jazz or swing. I mean, he showed off different sides of his styles. Yeah, that's true. I was I was surprised by that. I mean. That you know, it makes sense actually when you think about it, because um, he's such a great musician. He can kind of play anything, but that's what he's choosing to write—the kind of swingy blues stuff. Which is, I thought, yeah, that was really cool. Now let's uh, turn to your music now and talk about your music career. There's so much to cover, Lori. And first of all, the brand new album is out, and I understand you had 40 songs to choose from, and you whittled that down to 12. That's got to be tough when you've got a lot of good songs, and uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have, obviously. To it's have a good that problem good to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, is it, is. but is it tough to leave some out that uh, are as good as the others? Um. Yeah, and I mean, you know, 40 songs, you know, 
they weren't all great. You know, I'll be honest with you, Dave. There were some that, you know, when you're when you've got a batch like that, some of them end up being a little repetitive of the others. Um, and how I determined kind of what was, which ones were better than the others was I was playing them. You know, I was playing them for a few people and and listening to their comments. Right. Of course, I had my favorites, um, but uh, there were a few that came out of you know the woodwork that I was surprised. I'm like, you like that tune? And like, yeah. And you know, continually like, for you know, one of them um, uh, that I wrote about my best friend, uh, laugh to you cry. Um, I, you know, I struggled with that song. I remember sitting on the couch and I, you know, I'm, I'm a person that like actually watches TV and writes at the same time. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't suggest to do that, but it's kind of because it's like left brain, right brain thing or something. And I'm right. not really concentrating on one or the other. And I remember just like laugh to you cry. It felt like a labor. It didn't come easy. Whereas like a lot of my songs just kind of plop out they come very easily but that one didn't so i didn't know if it was any good or not but uh you know i played it for a friend of mine and he kind of started crying and i was like what you know what is going on so you know you don't don't sometimes know like we often have inklings as writers Mm -hmm. we have our favorites but you don't i don't really ever know which ones until other people hear it so but yeah having that that's interesting that you put it that way and i you know the fact that uh, you can write a song and be as confident in it as as you can be, or not confident, and you're gonna you're gonna find out for sure from the reaction of an audience. Yep, you definitely are. You definitely are. And I mean, I tend to think, at least for myself, generally what I think is great, most people don't. <laughs> That's what I have <laughs> determined. I have. I've, I'm like. I'm like. Okay. This is the one. This is the song. I'm like. Nah. Not really. We think it's the other one. And I'm like. Oh. Okay. Um, I, I don't. I think I'm too close to my own material to to be able sure. to make that um, differentiation. Right. I just don't. So I. I trust people. You know. I trust in. You know. Uh, what they kind of tell me. Right. The feedback I get. And, and also too. You know. There's tunes that when you. Um, I was going to a friend of mine who had an open stage. That was one of the ways I was kind of testing out the songs was, you know, if you have a whole room yakking and then you do a, t- a song and they all, everybody turns around and they're quiet, that tells you something, right? Mm-hmm. So that happened with quite a few of the yeah. songs that were on there. So, you know, a good indicator, I guess. Absolutely. That is a great test of, of, of a song and songs. And I love the uh, a quote here at your website, LauraYates.com, where you talked about the album, and you said, you talked about a few of the songs, and the songs were felt rather than thought out. So some of these songs mm-hmm. came to you. You weren't, it, not a logical process, but I guess you really felt them from from deep inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to write in um, pictures, like, like I was saying on Saturday night, I was describing the writing process for me, like I, mm. I see the characters, I see locations. Um, they're almost like snippets of dreams, some of them. Um, so with them come a feeling, right? And often there's, this is going to sound all, you know, new agey, flaky, crazy, but often <laughs> there's a feeling that they're sort of from the past at times. Um, so, yeah, I, I I see them, often a location or what a feeling would look like. Does that make sense? What a feeling would look like. Interesting. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, I think really with the whole process of it, like one of the things, you know, that I learned from like Don Schlitz in Nashville there, who I got a chance to write with back 
in the late 80s was, you know, you have to make yourself available to the song, right? So you have to show up. So that means you have to sit down on a piece of paper or your phone these days and your guitar or whatever instrument. Like, you actually have to arrive. You have to be there, right? Um, and for the song to make its way to you. Um, that's wow. kind of, you what know... A, what the, a philosophy not, or an approach. Well, you know, he he told me that because we were stressing out over this tune that I had. Um, we wrote a beautiful song called Lonesome Desire together. I had come with the idea, of course, here I am walking into a, you know, a room with Don Schlitz. I'm freaking out. I've got my little ideas, you know, that I'm going to present. And, and then one of them was this, this Lonesome Desire. And um, he said, like, just relax, man. He said, just all the ideas are just above your head you know, kind of gestured above his head. He said, you just got to relax and let them in. And I was like, really? You know, he was wow. probably the number one writer at that time. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure yeah. what it, you know, I'm not following him so much these days to know where he's at, but definitely at that time. And, you know, I thought, well, that's a great philosophy. And also the thing that always, I always remember about him was there was a, a letter on his wall that it was from a previous job that said, Mr. Schlitz, if you're caught sleeping on your security job one more time, you'll be fired. <laughs> it was a warning at his job, right? That if he was caught sleeping, he was a security guard. If he was caught sleeping, he'd be fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's, those, those are so, great yeah. uh, kinds of things things to keep around. I've heard that people do that with letters, uh, things like that when someone says, you know, you're not going to make it in this business or, or those kind of things, and they, they frame them to remember, you know, what yeah, I was then and yeah. now look where I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jim Carrey carried around a check for $10 million in his wallet for long. And he got, like, you know, he had, of course he did how successful he's been. But, uh, yeah, he did. From the early days, he carried a check around. And um, I think my first BMI check was, like, it was like it was like it was a, it was in the cents. It was like five cents, and I had it on my fridge. And I thought, no, 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 that's actually not a good statement. Let's take right. that's not what we want to reinforce here. You know, let's take no, that one down. But, exactly. You don't yeah. want to visualize yeah. that anymore. Just let that go. And no. Think of the, think yeah. of the big money. <laughs> for, when, sure, when for sure. For sure. When you've written songs, Lori, and you talked about being present for the song, and I guess being in the moment. How many times has a song surprised you? So you've sat down to write some idea you had, but you know, you're in that moment and now the song is taking you in a different direction. Yeah, that happens quite a bit actually, you know. Um I have had the experience of a song coming out ninety eight percent finished. Like uh Ghost of Josephine, the second cut on my new record there. Um I, I don't even think I changed a word. I think it came out actually, and that's unusual because you know you usually have to kind of go back and tweak a bit. Um, mm. And you know I I try my my number one thing with writing is I just try to keep the thoughts. I, I try not to think about it. Like you know sometimes you can hear a writer thinking that mm. they're like, okay, this would be crafty to put this here and, and put that there. I try to stay away from right. all that stuff. And and just let it flow uh, wherever it takes me. Now I've done that, and I walked into a friend's place and said, "Hey, hear this tune." And he said, "Well, it sounds exactly like this." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> right." <laughs> so you, you know, you, you got to check things out sometimes because you, that can happen too, right? Or yeah. it sounds very original to me, but it really isn't, uh, and there's not much right. original left, anyways. But you know, um, this is it. Yeah, it's, 
so so much has been written, but get coming up with those original ideas. Uh, the album is called Sweetheart of the Valley, and we have a song coming up from it in just a few moments. Uh, our listeners can pick it up at iTunes. They can check you out at laurieyates.com. Uh, before we get back into the album, let's talk about some of these great stories of Nashville people that you met, these huge names. And in fact, Don Graham, before came on the show, uh, said, be sure to, uh, to ask her about these great Nashville people. And of course, he said to say hi to you. Uh, oh yeah, Don Graham. I love him. He's been—he's such a great guy. He's been so uh, supportive and helpful to me. I appreciate him big time. The the experience with Nashville was that uh, you know I had this A and R guy, Larry Hamby, who was, you know, he he just gave me this fantastic experience because he really wanted to introduce me to um, the golden era of Nashville, right? Because a lot of these folks were getting on in the years and they weren't going to be around. So he kind of, I, I, don't, I didn't realize it at the time, but like he, you know, one night we're in the hotel lobby and this guy's sort of standing there and, and he introduced me. He's like, Lori, this is Bob Johnson. He, you know, he recorded Johnny Cash live at Sepulchre Prison and, and a couple of Dylan records and like Sound of Silence, like a huge, huge producer, right? Um, we, you know, we got talking and Larry's like, would, would you like to go into the studio with him? I'm like, Absolutely. So he set up a session. It was like a midnight session. Um, he got Marty Stewart to play guitar and mandolin, and we recorded at Cowboy Jack Clement's place, right? And that stuff, you know, you 2 had just been in there in his studio about a week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was it was daunting, right? I mean, I kept running off to a friend of mine <laughs> and phoning long distance and saying, you're not going to believe what's happening now. Uh, that was just one of them. Like, at the time... You know, Sony was kind of, I wasn't signed to Sony, but they were courting me, which is, you know, for any artist, really the fact, the best time <laughs> before you sign. Uh, and they're they're throwing everything at you. Um, and this was back in the late 80s when there was a lot of money in the music business. Um, and, you know, Steve Buckingham was the producer, or he, was, he wasn't yet, but he was uh, vying for the job for sure. And he knew how much I loved Tammy Wynette. So one day I walk into the room and he said, hey, Laurie, come here. There's somebody on the phone that wants to talk to you. I'm like, who? He said, it's Tammy Wynette. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. So what do you say to Tammy Wynette? Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, she she wasn't alive that much longer after then. You know, she always had a lot of health problems. Um, but I got to meet her like three times, talked to her, and was so, you know, just a beautiful southern lady, like a lot of class and very friendly, not in the least bit competitive, you know, like, welcome to Nashville, and if there's anything I can help you with, and, you know, Steve's a great guy, like just super, super friendly, so... You know, meeting her, I'm, I'm at uh, Roy Acuff, I actually, and I don't even, see, I didn't really realize the magnitude of all these people at the time. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I knew they were heavy, I knew they were legends, but I didn't quite. And as time has gone on, I, you know, I kind of shake my head, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I um, you know, I stayed at the, the, the house that we rented was uh, Roy Acuff's girlfriend's house, a woman by the name of Bobby Joe, And, you know, what what happened to me down there at that time was um, there wasn't a lot of Northerners down there. I think I think Anne Marie had been there. Um, I think Katie Lang had just gotten there. Michelle Wright wasn't there yet, and so I was in between Michelle and Katie, and they just couldn't 
fathom how I was there and that I was from the north, right? They, they always would say, <laughs> you're from where? You're from what? And then they'd want to hear my accent, right? Uh, I don't think that happens so much anymore. There's really a lot more, you know, Nashville's a lot more international now than it was. But Absolutely. at that time, they were quite, you know, they were fascinated by me. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it was an interesting, well, anyway, so Bobby Joe, she she's like, you got to go to Opryland because Roy Acuff lived in the Opryland Park. So in we go, and I'm standing in his kitchen eating jelly beans with him. And I mean, well, what do you say to Roy Acuff? Like he's my, you know, my grandpa's age plus, and plus it's Roy Acuff, like yeah. the grandfather wow. of country music, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't think I said much back in those days. I had really big eyes. You know, my eyes were always just kind of wide open. <laughs> I think I just looked shocked most times. Um, well, that's and so then we, we pretty amazing. Don't go ahead. Yeah, it was amazing. So we, you know, we bid our goodbyes, and then we left through the front door. And we were in Opryland Park. <laughs> It was so weird. <laughs> so they were like, this is just too weird. We closed the door. I'm like, oh, we're right in the middle of the park. That's really strange. Yeah. So you also that met was neat. a huge legend, Johnny Cash. Now, tell us about that. Well, you know, Johnny Cash I met in Toronto, actually. Um, and I was with my friend Basil, Basil, who played on my record, Basil Donovan, who plays in Blue Rodeo. And uh, we had gone to see The Highwaymen. And they were playing it. Mm-hmm. ACC or Molson, not ACC, Mol- oh, I forget the place, the name of the place. It was new. Um, was anyways, the way we went, no, it was That's after the, the forum. It was the, after the forum. No, after the forum, but I can't think of the name, the Molson. Yeah. Anyways. Not the Molson place. Amphitheater. Yeah, that's where it was, Molson Amphitheater. Um, Great. Which took the place of the forum, right? I think it did. I believe um, so. Anyways. Yeah. So it was it was um John, it was the original. It was all of them were there. Um it was the highwaymen and uh it was yeah. Waylon, Johnny, uh Chris and who's the last one? Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Did I say Willie only? Willie, Waylon. Yeah, Willie, Chris, Waylon and Johnny. What a what a and amazing Johnny. group. Right. I remember them yeah. all together. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um so Basil knew Chris Christopherson. So we went backstage and we were roaming around where the buses were, right? We were like, and we could hear Chris saying, where's Basil? Where's Basil? Because um, Blue Rodeo had played a, a few dates with Chris Christopherson. So um, they knew each other. And while we were kind of walking to where we could hear Chris's voice, Along come uh, Johnny Cash and Jim Carter, right? And we're just like, oh, my God. So we walk (laughs) right over to them, and and Basil shakes his hand, and he says, you know, Mr. Cash, it's such an honor to meet you. And and I'm standing there thinking, okay, what am I going to say? i got to say something original. i got to tell him, you know, he's been my spiritual godfather all my life and and all this stuff. And and I shake his hand, and and I say exactly what Basil said. (laughs) I said, you've been such a big influence. Thank you very much. I said the exact same words he did. I couldn't think of what to say. (laughs) And he was really gracious, you know. He was very nice. awesome. Well, we have a lot more stories to share on the show, Lori, from your career. Right now I want to share a song from Sweetheart of the Valley. In fact, we're going to start with the title track. And tell me about the song and the inspiration behind it. uh, And then we will uh, spin it for our listeners. Well, it's, you know... um, it's a really great example of, you know, the sparse kind of music I like to create, right? There's a lot of kind of uh, 
uh, air and, and holes around the notes, right? Um, very kind of laid back, relaxed. It's a, it's a tune sort of about two characters, one being Anna Mae and one being Willie Blue. Um, you know, it has some geography going on in it, so like Memphis to Wasega Beach, right? Um, nice. And it's, you know, and uh, Memphis to, te- Memphis to um, uh, was it like Wasega Beach? Huh, I'm getting, well, you'll, you'll hear it in a second. You'll know. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, kind of a little bit poetic. In a way, a little bit poetic, um, and it, you can kind of get a sense and a feeling of what the tune's all about from the, the well, sound of it, I suppose. Yeah, it's a great song from uh, the album of the same name. This is Laurie Yates and Sweetheart of the Valley here on In the Country.
And that is Hamilton's own Laurie Yates. This song is called Sweetheart of the Valley. It's the title track of her newest album, and you can uh, pick it up at iTunes. You can visit her at laurieyates.com. And wow, it's a great album. How does it feel putting this album together? And in general, with your other albums, are they processes, Laurie, that take a while for everything just to come together and for you to write the songs you're, you're most happy with? Well, you know, the the hardest, yeah, it it does take a while for me. I mean, this is a, a completely independently funded record, so uh, you know, <laughs> we all know what that means, right? <laughs> uh, it means a lot of hours put in, you know, to to pay for it. Um, yeah. And um, but with that comes a freedom, right? So when you make your own records and you pay for your own records you can do exactly what you want, um, which is great. Um, and I'm quite happy to be in the spot that I'm in. Um, you know, I I made Can't Stop the Girl in 89, and I've made three records in between that time till this record, um, or four records, I think. And But I haven't had a record since my Sony record that's getting as much attention. This record's getting a lot of attention and a lot of kind of uh, international attention. And I think it's because the whole marketplace has changed, right? We've got the whole World Wide Web. Um, you know, I've it's being played all over the world. And the last time I had that kind of exposure was through Sony, which is a huge company. You know, I put out two records for Virgin in Canada and I put out two indie records in Canada. So, um, and a lot of people remember me from the Nashville record, but... You know that was twenty years ago. I've been I've been quite busy in the meanwhile. <laughs> it makes <laughs> yeah. it seem like I've been I made one record. Now I made this one, but that's not true. There were four in the middle, right? Um, right. But it's it's uh it's just great to to see the reception that it's getting. And the thing that I'm quite surprised about is how people are classifying it. Right? Like, um, for sure, it's on the you know the alternate alt country side of things and. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people they're like, "Well, what does that mean, alt country?" I'm like, "Well, right, right. it's more, you know, it's more Johnny Cash than Shania Twain," and most people kind of understand that. And you know, even my my or, or maybe maybe I should update my uh, description. It's more Johnny Cash than Carrie Underwood. Would that make sense? <laughs> I guess maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit more. Be more right. Up-to-date, I don't. Yeah. Maybe even more up to date. Um, and. It's being called like very vintage sounding and old school country, and I'm like old school country. I think that's hilarious. I you see. I put stuff out. <laughs> I I don't know what it's what it's going to be called, right? I don't. I think like people, the marketplace determines that. It's not really up to yeah. me to, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so. I heard a story years ago that Anne Murray said. Uh, she told the story about uh, something about what genre she was, and they needed to know it basically to know where to put her in a record store. I mean, she yeah. told the story yeah. much better than that, and it, it was kind of funny the way she told it. But you know, it's all this thing to do with labeling, and in some cases, it's pretty yeah pretty obvious yeah. and clear cut. You yeah. know, someone like yeah. George Jones, well, that's country music. But getting back to you, Lori. For an artist, how do you define yourself? So alt-country 
has been thrown around. Do you even think it in terms of genre, or are you just making Laurie Yates music? Well, you know, I just I just always said I, I'm a country singer. You know, I haven't always sung country music. I didn't I didn't kind of start off singing country music, but I wanted to. <laughs> you know, I've wanted to sing country since I was about 14. I was, uh, and I was. I just uh, the first two bands I was ever in uh, were rock bands, right? Uh, one was a cover band, and one was an original band. The first band I was ever in, I started to write in, um, but but after that, they were all country bands. But they weren't traditional country bands. They were country bands because I was young, right? That's the thing, you know. When you're 26 years old, 27 years old, and you know, full of spit and vinegar, um, <laughs> you know, my the, my music had a lot of energy in it, right? And uh, and plus, my my outlook was very urban. Like I, I'm not from the country. Um, I grew up in Toronto, and I, but I still had that experience of loving country music because of the melodies mm-hmm. and the words and the harmonies and the song structure, right? And always resonated with it from being a little kid. I could always sing country music, you know, I, and I always loved it. So I feel like it's a it's a legit kind of, legit in a different way, right? And, and it mm-hmm. isn't so much about where you came from. It's more uh, what your what your soul and commitment is to it, I guess. And, uh, maybe that sounds too highfalutin, but... No, I like that, Laurie, because I can relate to uh, how you described it. Because I'm also not from the country; I'm from the city, and mm-hmm. uh, but I grew up loving country music from from what I heard growing up in in my household through my parents, and also the stuff I discovered on my own. But uh, you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, you're from the Toronto area, and you like country music." But yeah, it's not all about farming, and not all about having to have lived there. It's like you said; it's it's kind of where you're from internally and how you feel. Yeah, that's true, and you know. And 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 you know just to add to that, so I always try to to sing. You know, I'm like I, I grew up in Ontario. You know, I grew up in I don't have a southern accent, so I'm really aware. I don't I don't twang it up when I sing. I really don't. Right. And I try to consciously not. And I'm like, because I'm not from the south. Okay, that's phony. I'm not from the south. <laughs> I'm from Ontario. And you can hear it. You can hear the way I sing my R's. Right now, yeah. there's a little bit of like. Um, there is a little bit of that naturally, though. It just does happen. And the thing is, you know, country music to us Northerners really makes sense when you go down south, right? The rhythm, the heat, the mm. the landscape, right? It, it kind of is a different, like, um, here in this country, I think we tend to, we're, we're really folk-based, and, and a lot of the, the country that I like is blues-based. Do you know what I mean by that? Right, like right. If, yeah, yeah. Blues-based. And... Um, but our country here tends to be folk-based. And I have some of that on my record, but I also, you know, I always love to sing blue notes and uh, and kind of have that, that, that you know, backbeat on the, with the blues. So I don't know. It's, uh, it, is, it is splitting hairs, Dave. It's splitting hairs, you know. <laughs> it is, you know, with genres, because there's so much uh, crossover and, you know, what form of country is this, because country is one format but there's so many different subgenres you even uh, on the album and the night at um, at the bluebird north recently you did uh, a song you wrote from the album called call my name and you talked about how it was influenced by roy orbison's style songs mm-hmm. etc well yeah and the long notes right mm-hmm. so you know i have a friend of mine terry wilkins Toronto musician great Toronto musician he played in rough trade right with carol folk and he met me when I was first on the scene, and he had said to me, uh, he said, you know, your voice is only going to get better with age. 
And that was such a kind thing to say to a young female singer, right? Because we have the whole, you know, thing of, you know, you're growing older and how you're going to grow older and it's going to be graceful. You know, it's it's not a, it's a young person's game to some degree, right? So it was a very kind um, way, you know, it was, it was helpful, very helpful. So, uh, and, and he was right. Last time he heard me sing, he said, you've never sounded better. But he said, and where you hear a singer's tone is in the long note. And I went, ah, and you do, right? And oh, these yeah. days there's a little little bit of a, a trend towards clipped kind of talking almost. There's like almost a talking style of singing. Mm-hmm, um, there is. And yeah. I'm, you know, I'm from the old world with the big long notes. So, of course, Roy Orbison, right? Well, he was the best at it, or one of yeah. the best. And that song I thought, I want to write one that, you know, that maybe I could imagine him singing or what what would he sing it like and just try and really have those long airy notes. Um so mm-hmm. that was that was my my stab at it anyways. It's yeah. a great uh, great song and it really uh, you you accomplished that Laurie and the song is called Call My Name. You do songwriting workshops and you know I was at your website and was reading up on that teaching songwriting and and uh, you know helping others get better at songwriting. What does that do for you, Laurie? And how, you know, how much do you enjoy uh, passing on what you know about songwriting? Um, well, it's it's a it's an honor, you know. It really is, Dave. I know it sounds a bit hokey, but um, you know, to be asked to you know be asked what your opinion is and be kind of put in a position of authority is really it's quite fantastic, right? Um, I I started mm-hmm. the songwriting workshops because I had a lot of like young musicians and singers coming to me. And, you know, kind of asking for advice, right? And I realized that, you know, it's passing the torch. That's what we have to do. And, and yeah, I have a lot of experience. I've been at it for a long time. I've never quit, right? I mean, a lot of my contemporaries <laughs> have, and maybe I should have quit, but I can't. I just I just love singing too much and, and writing too much yeah. to, to quit. Um, and, you know, so I thought, well, I'll just see if there's anybody interested in what I have to offer. Now, I get a lot of requests for vocal lessons. And, you know, to be a vocal teacher, you really not have to know what you're doing. And I'm like, no, I don't do vocal coaching, but I am definitely a performance coach and a media coach. I've done that quite a few times with people, with young performers, mm-hmm. you know, how to handle an interview, how to do a photo shoot, all that kind of, how to, conduct yourself right and also uh i thought i'd put together this songwriting workshop and just see if anyone was interested with the idea that you could write the songs record the songs and perform the songs all in six weeks and that i would set up yeah so it's called creative genius songwriting workshops and um so when you sign up for it, there's four weeks of group work, and I lead that, and I, you know, I work a lot on uh, the psyche of songwriting, and a lot of, um, you know, working with the inner critic, and you know, all the reasons why we tell ourselves why we can't do something, which we all have that voice, right? Absolutely. And if you listen to that voice enough, you don't do anything in life. So I work a lot with that, and then I've set up the studio for people. They come in, they record their tunes, and then we have a live gig. So it's all oh. and and so you know I put I put it out there and bang it was sold out and put it out there twelve times in a row I've done twelve workshops every they they are sold out within a day oh, so there's a big goodness, need yeah 
and you know it's it's not a huge group of people like six six songwriters and they yeah. have an hour with me as well um one on one um but it just told me that there's an interest and is there ever and of course now that I'm so busy with my record I'm getting tons of emails like when <laughs> workshop and I'm like well I don't know when I can fit it in um but it's fantastic and like I had you know I've had people that have never set foot on stage to really experienced musicians who've never written their own songs and you know probably one of my crowning glories of that whole workshop was I had an 81 year old gentleman who said Laura I've wanted to write songs since I was 18 years old but my mom told me that music wasn't for me and I couldn't do it. And oh. here he was, 81 years old, and he got up and he performed his tunes. Yeah. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was really phenomenal. So there's a lot of stories like that. There's a lot of like personal breakthrough stories, quite a few actually, people coming for one reason or another, mostly um, because their fear has kept them back. You know, right? And and it is. You know, it's 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 a brave move, man, to get up there and it say, is. "Hey, here's my song, and I'm going to play it for yeah. you." And but you know, the the group is a pretty is a, it's a very good safety net, and I'm a great cheerleader, and I know how to tackle all that stage fright and performance anxiety. You know, I have had it all. I know all about it. <laughs> so <laughs> you've been you know, there. I get the. Yeah, I, I get the midnight calls, right, or like, where people are like, that's it, I'm quitting, I can't do the gig. I'm like, okay, take a deep breath, and we're going to talk this <laughs> through. And and nobody so far has quit. They've all done it. Oh, so, well, you know, even, wonderful. Yeah, oh. As I'm talking about think, I'm getting excited. I'm like, I have to find a way to do another one quickly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the way you describe it, it's so much more than music, so much more than songwriting. It's actually taking people to another level. You mentioned the 81-year-old gentleman. I mean... It sounds like the music is part of it, but it's also getting them to another place in their life, confidence-wise, and and breaking through yep. that fear they might have. Absolutely, yeah, and that's oh. that's what it is. It's, it's sort of like, well, you know, what's holding you back? Well, you are. You're holding yourself back. You're in, you're in your own way, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I sort of adopted a motto, you know, a few years ago. If 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 it's fear that's that's keeping me for moving forward, that's that's not a good enough excuse. Right. You know, fear is that's not a good enough excuse to not do something. You know, I've I've in the last few years done some really like I I was asked to do some stand up comedy and I oh, I wow. mean when she asked me a lightning bolt shot through my body of terror. I mean literally, like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. But I said, you know what? Being scared is not a good enough reason to say no. Uh uh-uh. uh that's not a, so I did it. I it was great. I pulled it off. I got away with it. Everybody said, "Oh, are you going to go into stand-up comedy?" I said, "Absolutely not. It is so <laughs> terrifying. Like I can do it while I'm singing and it's just sort of whatever as, as I'm talking, but to have sure. to be funny on, you know. So, but yeah, so I just I adopted a thing like say yes, say yes, say yes to all the opportunities and um see where it takes you. That's a great philosophy, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I love the philosophy, and it also reminded me when you said say yes to everything. I've heard Andrea Martin, who is a, obviously a big star of SCTV and yes. many, many other yes. things, and she, you know, she's written her book, and she talked about at, at this stage in her life, she's going to say yes to you know just about everything, because that's how you, you have new experiences, and you move past yeah, the Yeah, totally. Yeah, you do, and you got to challenge yourself, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, there's another, there's a songwriter... A uh, folk guy named Bob Snyder, and his thing was, he said, "Say yes to everything because most of it doesn't happen." 
right? right? <laughs> Most of it doesn't Which, happen. I like that. You know, I, I, I found for me a lot of it was happening. Like I, I got asked to do a storytelling night again, you know, uh, because I've had a lot of years of stage uh, performance. Yeah. But it was still nerve-wracking because it was a different thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to do stand-up comedy and, and and to succeed at it, as you said, you might not do it all the time, but you did it, and so you got past that. And uh, what a wonderful experience to have had. Yeah, totally. And they filmed it, so I oh, do have a copy yeah. of that. And it was, um, you know, if I ever, never want to be in the straight world again, <laughs> I'll post it on YouTube. There you <laughs> go. Selfie. But uh, so <laughs> this point, uh, it's just in my, you know, in my computer and staying there. <laughs> well, let's turn yeah. to some more music, Lori, from the album Sweetheart of the Valley, which is available at iTunes. Twelve great songs on it that you had a hand in writing or co-writing all the songs. Is that correct? You did write or co-write all those songs? No, I, I wrote them all. Yeah, I wrote them all. Yeah, I think it's the first record where I wrote them all. I always, uh, I've always been writing. Did a lot of co-writing, loved co-writing, um, but I just wanted to, I just had them and, uh, you know, had a lot to choose from, right? Like we said earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're just, they're all mine this time, so, yeah. Wow, that's great. These are all songs you've written yourself, so we know they've come from that personal place that uh, from one songwriter, one artist. So I want to turn to a song, and speaking of personal stories, this is uh, this is right out of your life here called Trouble in the Country. Is the is the name of the song, and uh, you told the story at the songwriters round the other night. Uh, so we'll play the song. I mean, it kind of tells the story itself because the lyrics are, are straightforward and they tell what happened. But tell me a bit behind the uh, behind the song before we play it, Laurie. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it was a tune that it was about my experience in Nashville, right? So, I mean, the first verse is kind of odd because it starts in Austin, Texas. So I was there a couple of years ago in July, which I don't recommend anybody do. It was about 110 every single day. Um, and I was leaving and I was looking in a bookstore and there was this book on uh, people that lived in the subway in New York. And it was so hot and I gazingly looked at the book and I thought, oh, it must be so cool down in those subway shafts. So that's the first <laughs> line of the song. I know it sounds wacky, right? Um the sun was beating down that hot subway grate. It's pretty autobiographical. Um, you know, it's about meeting Billy Sherrill in Nashville, the famed um, songwriter, uh, songwriter and producer. Um, or he became, a, I guess, a songwriter because he would take a credit if he produced something. Um, and, you know, him being dragged into his office by Larry Handy and him not being happy to see me whatsoever. And he was like, Larry, who the hell is this? Last week you brought me a stripper. Who's this? Uh, kind of old curmudgeon, you know? And right. like I and I was freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, so you're a redhead. There's only one redhead here in, uh, in Nashville. And, and really the whole idea was what makes you so good, right? And I came, mm-hmm. up, that, came up against that a lot. What makes you so good? makes you so hot and i tell that to a young artist like you know be in this business you know you need to have like a the heart of a poet and 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 skin like a crocodile man because you know you got to be tough and and sensitive at the same time it's an odd combo yeah. right um, oh yeah so yeah he was a bit rough i i wish we could have you know again now thinking back i wish it would be now i'm like God, I, it was Billy Sherrill. Like I could have, but I, but I couldn't because like the vibe was not there between us, right at all. He was mm-hmm. kind of like, "You're bugging me, Larry," you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
and you know, I just couldn't. He wasn't going to warm to me no matter what. So, um, but I, you know, had the idea that I wanted to have some of the gals that are my friends uh, and they're great singers out of Hamilton. So I had uh, a bunch of them. I asked them to come down to the St. Hollywood and record live on this song and record the chorus. So I, I got Rita Shirelli, Tara Lightfoot, Ginger St. James, Mimi Shaw, Linda Monteclavo, uh, Tressa Levasseur. Um, I'm leaving out a few, Buckshot Beebe, um, Dottie Cormier. Uh, I think that's it. Maybe there's somebody else. I hope not. Um, there's a, a whole gaggle of gals got them up on stage and they were taking the gig very seriously, very seriously. And I'm like, guys, like this is a fun party thing. And then I realized, oh, I have to buy them liquor. <laughs> so I bought them tequila and then they loosened up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's what a what a great uh, song. It, it tells the tale of your time in Nashville, or at least a portion of it. Uh, let's play the song now, and we'll uh, come back and talk about a few more things, Laurie, before we wrap up. This is my guest, Laurie Yates, Hamilton, Ontario's own, with her song "Trouble in the Country" here on In the Country.
And that is Laurie Yates and her song, Trouble in the Country, tells a great story of her time in Nashville, the good, the bad, and so forth. I'm sure in Nashville you had some great experiences, too, because things happened for you there. You had some songs out of that. Uh, what were some good times in Nashville for you, Laurie? Well, definitely, you know, meeting Tammy Wynette. <laughs> that was one yeah. of the good ones. Um, the writing <laughs> sessions were really, really cool. Like, I wrote with Guy Clark. Um Fantastic, you know. We we I remember we wrote a tune called "Time After Time," which is on my "Can't Stop the Girl" record. And I remember saying, uh, you know, guy, there's a there's a singer named Cindy Lauper. She has a song called "Time After Time," and he's like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> he didn't care. He's like, I don't care. Um, the writing end of it was really awesome. The first day I was there, they set me up to write with, uh, um, uh, I want to say Jackson. I, uh, his name Carl Jackson. Now I didn't know that Carl Jackson played in Emily Harris's Angel Band, or I wouldn't have been able to speak with to him. But I didn't know. Right. So we wrote a, a song that's, uh, you know, gone on to be recorded by the Rice Brothers and a couple other bands, I think. But it was mostly the writing stuff. That was my. Um, also, I became great friends with Colin Linden, who didn't live there at the time, but was down there uh, for business. And he showed up at my the place where I was staying, and he was all wearing black, and I was all wearing black because we were from Queen Street, Toronto, and that's what we did. We just wore black. And everybody thought we were like Johnny Cash's backup band. They're like, who are these freaky kids wearing black? Um, but it was... a. Uh, it was a, you know, you know, the thing with a with a deal like that was I was really expected to move there, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, can't. I mean, I had a lot of business opportunities and and did a lot of writing and and planning, but I can't say I made any real friends, right? My friends were still here. I mean, Colin still lived sure. up here. Um, my family was all here. So my decision was. I don't think I can move there on my own. I just and I didn't. I, I sort of always kept my career here, even though you know I, I had the the golden ticket to come on down. But um, it just just you know it just wasn't in the cards. I just wouldn't have been able to quite handle it on my own down there without my family and friends. So, uh, but it was great, a great great experience. You know, and it really brought. Um, it was the writing stuff like that was just so invaluable. Back I came, you know have written since, and it just gave me a great, uh, great cachet. You know, it was fantastic. Laurie, it's been awesome to uh, have you on the show to hear these stories uh, about your past, your present, and, of course, the new album that's out, Sweetheart of the Valley, 12 great songs. You wrote them all yourself, and they uh, are available at iTunes, and our listeners can uh, find you at laurieyates.com to learn more about you there. Laurie, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it. Been a blast speaking with Hamilton's own Laurie Yates. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.